Okay, guys, welcome to RUF. So glad you're here. My name is Louis Lovett. I'm the campus minister. Excited to see you here. I know there's a lot going on. Is that like one of those weird weeks in the semester where there's like nothing huge going on, but it's all feeling weighing on your brain, you're tired. So thanks for taking time, taking an hour of your night and coming to be uh, with us in this community. We're continuing our discussion of joy. This uh, experience, this feeling of delight and fullness and satisfaction and celebration. This feeling that we're made for, that we're spending our whole lives chasing after. And, And we're talking about how true and lasting joy only comes in and through Jesus Christ. And so tonight we're going to talk about experiencing joy as we strain towards our hope. And we're looking at Philippians 3, 12 to 16. So if you have your Bible or your handout or a mobile device, if you could please get Philippians 3, 12 to 16 in front of you. It says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. And he gives it to us because he loves us. Would you pray with me and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of this night. Thanks for the beauty of music. And the feeling we get when we're joined in song, we do it because you're worthy of it. And we pray that it be pleasing to you. As we turn to your word, we ask that your spirit would be at work through it right now so that we might love you more and love each other. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. In, in 1921, a British runner burst onto the sprinting world scene. His name was Eric Liddell. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire or heard that song, bum, 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 that's, that's, that's Eric, okay? That's Chariots of Fire. Uh, he, he started running uh, competitively in 1921. In 1924, he won the gold medal in the Olympics in the, in the 400-meter uh, run, 400-yard run, I think it might have even been at that time. I'm not actually sure. This is a guy, he famously once said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. I'm just reading that because that's cool, I think. Um, uh, in 1923, he was running at a race in Stoke-on-Trent in England, and they, they used to, it was a 440-meter race, which I, I guess they ran before they started running the 400. And um, this is a guy who you know, became an Olympic gold medalist. He's one of the greatest runners in the world. He's one of the most competitive guys in the world. He's one of the fastest guys in the world. And so he takes off in this race, and as he starts to go around the very first turn, he trips over the legs of one of the other runners. And he falls. And he hits the ground. He's on the inside rail. He's off the track into the, in, into the infield and rolls onto his back as the other racers run off ahead of him. As we look at Philippians 3 tonight, we are confronted with the reality that in the race of life, and especially in the race of faith, we fall. We stumble and we trip and we hit the ground. Uh, Some of us in the last week or so have 
made big mistakes. Some of us are, are feeling like we're not really running the race of faith anymore. We are on our backs and there is dust being kicked in our eyes. Some of us feel like we've been on the ground for a while and we can't seem to get up. Some of us are looking around for where this track is that we're supposed to be running on and we can't even seem to find it. We're faced with this reality that uh, we all fall. And so I want to start by asking you the question in your life, as you come to Philippians 3 and to RUF tonight, where have you fallen? Where have you stumbled? Where have you tripped and hit the ground? For some of us, we're struggling with sex. We've, We've compromised the values that we came into college committed with, committed to. So some of us are struggling with alcohol. Every weekend we tell ourselves, uh, this is the time I'm going to get myself together. This is going to time I'm not going to go too far. And then we wake up on Saturday morning with those same feelings of shame and regret that we keep feeling. Some of us are dealing with the heartbreak of, of relationships that are broken, and we're reacting to that by getting involved in things that are harmful to us and that cause us nothing but pain. Some of us are trapped in relationships that are unhealthy for us or for somebody else that we know we should get out of and we can't muster up the courage. Some of us are feeling like a failure because we just aren't doing enough good stuff or we're just not reading the Bible or going to church or praying like we know we're supposed to. And we're considering this tonight because God's Word is really challenging to us. God's Word does not just challenge us to say, are you ever going to fall? It assumes that you will. Our life tells us, our experience shows us that we will. The question is, what do you do when you fall? What will you do when you trip and you stumble and you hit the ground? Uh, And the encouragement for us tonight is that when we fall, that we don't look back and we don't look down, but we look up ahead. We don't look back and we don't look down, but we look ahead. So first, uh, we don't look back. Paul says this in verse 13. He says, I do not consider that I have made it my own But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to to what lies ahead. He says, I I haven't got it figured out. I struggle, I stumble, I fall. But I forget what looks behind, what, 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 what lies behind me. I don't look back. Here's what he does not mean, okay? Paul does not mean that your story doesn't matter. Paul does not mean that the mistakes that you've made in your past don't have consequences in your life. He doesn't even mean that uh, your sins you've committed are unimportant. What he means is that if you're a Christian, and I know not everyone who comes here tonight is a Christian, but if you're a Christian, then what's happened in your past, your sins, your mistakes, your regrets, they do not define you. They do not get to determine who you are. They are not the primary identifying factor for you. If you are in Christ, it means that when we fall down, we're not disqualified from the race. That when we struggle, when, when we struggle and when we stumble, we're not kicked out. It doesn't define us. Because if you're in God's grace and love, that's the thing that defines you. It's his grace and love. That's why Paul says in verse 12, I, I press on to make it my own. We'll talk about that part in a minute. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Which means that all of our struggling and our stumbling happens within the context of his love and his grace for us. It's not that when we stumble, we have stumbled out of his grace and love. It's not that when we fall off the track, we are somehow absent 
from his presence with us, it, it means the opposite, that when we stumble, when we fall, he is even nearer. I was talking about a verse with someone today from Psalm 34 that says, God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. And it is, in fact, precisely when we are low, precisely when we fall, that we experience the nearness of God with us. And this is the thing that frees us to deal with our past so that we can look ahead. We've been loved and forgiven in Jesus. That he sees us, that he knows us, that he calls us, that he died for us, that he gives us his spirit and his life through the resurrection. It's because of that that you can move forward, that you don't have to look back. So it means that the question for you in the midst of the places where you have fallen and maybe where you are falling right now is, have you talked to Jesus about it? Because the only way that your past does not define you is if you have dealt with your past before the Lord. Are there things that you have just been too uncomfortable, too scared, too embarrassed to bring to the Lord? He promises that when we bring our sins to him, he forgives us of all unrighteousness, that he cleanses us. And so the challenge for us is to consider where we need to come to the Lord and experience repentance and forgiveness. One of the marks of a Christian is that we have to do this. That we acknowledge that we have fallen, but we have a God who allows us to come and deal with our past so that we don't have to let it define us. So we don't have to walk in shame and guilt and misery. So we don't have to wonder, will we ever pull it together? The answer is no, we won't, but Jesus has. We can actually stop letting our past define us when we come to Jesus and experience the freedom and forgiveness that comes through his grace. We don't look back. Secondly, we don't look down. Last week we read about how Paul sort of lists off his credentials. This is right before he says, I consider all these things rubbish because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. He says, "Uh, I'm an Israelite of the family of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, According to the law, I'm a Pharisee, as in like I know the law and I keep it like better than most people. I'm the most zealous person you could be. Paul lists off his credentials. The, the point is that, you know, Paul's pretty legit. He's like the best Christian you've ever heard of. This is a guy who went city to city to city planting churches. This is a guy who abandoned everything he'd ever known and all of the prestige that came from it in order to share the good news of the gospel that God died to save sinners. This is a guy who uh, was encountered Jesus himself on the road to Damascus, was empowered to become an apostle, and was even aware that what he was, what he was writing down was the word of God. This is a guy who had probably the entire Old Testament memorized. This is a guy who leaves us all in the dust. And what does he say? The most religious person ever says, not that I have already obtained it or am perfect. He says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. Now, now, what's the it? It is how we finished last week. It is the resurrection life of Jesus. It is where we are going. It is what our hope is. Paul says, I haven't arrived. And so when I say don't look down, I mean don't just look at yourself and take pride in all the good that you have done. Because just as we can let our past define us, we can let what we do now that's good define us. 
And Paul's message is the same. You need to repent of that as well. That no matter where you are, you have not arrived yet. You are not perfect. We are all straining towards this goal of life, perfect life in Jesus. But we aren't there yet. But for, for some of you, this means we need to stop looking at ourselves with pride for all the good stuff we do. We need to stop looking at our lives and being like, you know, I read my Bible most mornings and I go to RUF and I go to Sunday night worship and I'm volunteering here and I'm doing this and I'm a pretty good person and I'm a hard worker. I've got like a really hot but also really sweet fancy dress date. I mean, I look at me. I, I've actually been thinking about fancy dress and I, I kind of want to help. So uh, if everyone who doesn't have a date would stand up and what we're going to... I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't look at our lives. <laughs> there were some pale faces in the room. <laughs> Maybe we should do that. I don't know. <laughs> we have this tendency to look at ourselves and to, and to say, I think that these things make me legit. I think that these things make me a good person. I think that these things make me special. I think that these things make me a little bit better than that person over there. The other thing we often have to repent of is the, the way that this plays into the comparison game. Because here's what we tend to do. We tend to look at our lives and then we compare ourselves to the people around us. You guys are masters at this. You are, you are experts in this of looking at our lives and looking at other people, we tend to do one of two things. They're really the same thing. One is that we, we look at ourselves and then we look at others and we are proud of how we're better than the other people. The other thing we do is we look at our lives and we look at others and then we think about how everyone's better than us and we hate ourselves. It's, it's really the same thing. We're looking down. We're looking at our own feet. We're looking at our own belly and we're not looking at Jesus. Paul says, don't look down. This is a real, it's a real challenge to us because we're trained to do this. But there's actually no joy when you look down. When you look at your own life to find your identity, when you look at the, own, the things that you have done, all, all you actually experience is insecurity. All you experience is anxiety. And when you look back, when you look at your past, there's no joy there either. Because when we let our past mistakes and sins define us, we only walk in shame. We only walk in guilt. We only walk in heartbreak. There's no joy there. And we're talking about joy, right? We're talking about an experience of fullness and delight and harmony and satisfaction and celebration. And God's word tells us that even in the midst of the places that you are stumbling and falling on the ground, you actually can experience joy. It's not when you look back. It's not when you look down. It's when you look up at what's ahead. In the midst of our tripping and falling, in the race of faith, we look ahead. Verses 13 and 14 sum this up. Here's what he says. He says, But one thing, I, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The call is to look ahead to our prize. To the finish line, to the upward goal of call of God in Christ. So, so what is this? What what is the Christian hope? What is at the end of the road for Christians? I I have found in my own life, for for most of my life, I've had a really hard time 
uh, imagining and articulating what this life after death thing that Christians seem to believe in is going to be like. I, the, the first thing that shaped my picture of what life after death would be was my parents' Christmas tree in my house growing up. And they had these uh, wooden ornaments that were painted gold of babies with wings and harps that we would hang from our tree. And so my, my first picture of what eternal life was for Christians was that I'm on a cloud somewhere and I've sprouted wings and I have a harp and maybe I'm a baby. I didn't think about that too much as a kid. Is that the biblical picture of the fullness of the hope that we have of life in Jesus? No, it's not. The second thing, as I, uh, as I have you know, grown up, as my thoughts have evolved, the second thing that uh, shaped my mind was the movie Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. This is the epic and, in my humble opinion, superior. Yeah, I said it. Uh, sequel to the original Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Welcome to the world, Keanu Reeves. You're welcome. Uh, and in this movie, Bill and Ted are uh, killed. They are murdered by evil robot versions of themselves from the future, as can happen. And uh, they go to the afterlife where they are confronted with the Grim Reaper, who they challenge to a game of Twister and, and beat. And so he takes them back, but then they're sucked in through some weird spirit, New Age spiritual stuff, and they go to hell... And then they go back and face the Grim Reaper again, and he takes them up finally to heaven to get some help to go back in time and defeat these evil robot versions of themselves. Mm. Amazing movie, by the way. <laughs> Just a journey through the afterlife in various traditions. And so they, and so they get finally to the, to the pearly gates of heaven where they mug some farmers and steal their clothes to lie their way into heaven, which turns out to be basically a cocktail party with all the most interesting people from history where everybody wears white and plays charades with angelic music in the background. <laughs> like, literally, that's all I knew. I just thought that's basically what heaven must be like. Everything is kind of uh, either white or glass, and there's kind of like smoke machines happening. But, you know, it's, it's subtle. It's, it's tasteful. <laughs> and you can talk with, you know, Einstein. And there's even aliens who are genius scientists from other planets there. And you play charades, and there's just beautiful music in the background. Okay? Is that the biblical picture of what the hope for Christians is? No! Thank God. That is not what it is. In fact, the Bible says very little. It says very little about what heaven is really like. Really, all we know is that that's where Jesus is. That Jesus, who died and who rose again from the dead, as, as a living man who people touched, who ate fish, who people had real interactions with, ascended up into this place, heaven, where he is seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. And the, and the main thrust of the biblical message of what hope is for Christians is not actually that we go up to some cloudy place someday. It actually has to do with this world. It actually has to do with this place. And the hope is that Jesus, who came to earth once in humility, who was born as a baby in a manger, is coming again. But this time when he comes, he's not coming in a manger. He's not coming in humility. He's coming in glory. And when he comes... He's going to make everything brand new. He's going to renew. He's going to recreate the world. Only this time there will be no corruption. This time there will be no death. This time there will be no pain. This time there will be no tears. And he will gather to himself all who have followed and believed in him. And you'll have real life there. And you will be raised. This upward call of God in Christ, that's literally the call upward. It's the call to life from death. And we'll be raised just like Jesus was by the power of God. 
And you'll have real flesh and blood. You'll have real skin and bones. And you'll eat real food. And you'll walk on real grass. And you'll swim in real water. And you'll build and create real beautiful things. And most importantly, you'll enjoy the real presence of the Savior, Jesus. And you will revel in his glory in a celebration that will never, ever come to an end. It's a life of goodness. It's a life of perfection. It's a life of fullness. It's a life of satisfaction. It's a life of worship. It's a life of love. It's joy. The hope for Christians is unending life and joy in Christ together with his people. That's the hope that we have. That's the prize. That is the finish line if you are in Christ. It's life. And it is good. It's not lonely on a cloud with a book of answers. It's life in Christ. And it is good. So what do we do today? We hope. We hope in this. But this hope is very different. This hope is not a passive hope. It's not a... I hope somebody nice asks me to fancy dress, but there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm just waiting around. Hearing like the theme of the night here, guys? It, th- that, is not, that is not what this hope means. L- listen to the verbs. Listen to the verbs that, uh, that are used in this passage. I press on to make it my own, straining forward to what lies ahead. Again, I press on towards the goal. And then the last verse, holding true to what we have attained. Hoping is the all-out, every muscle and nerve and fiber in your body, every bit of strength you can muster, striving forwards towards life in Jesus. It's all go, no quit, everything you have. Lay it all on the line. Give everything in pursuit of life in Christ. That's Christian hope. It's the most active part of what it means to be a person. Eric Liddell is on the ground. He's tripped. He's been knocked off of the race course. He's hit the ground. The other runners have gone off ahead of him. And what follows has been described as uh, the most miraculous and impressive feat of running in the history of competitive track. Because immediately as he falls, he jumps back up and gets back on the track and as he gets back on the track, the other, the other runners, the last runner is 30 yards ahead of him. Ask, ask Donovan how, how hard it is to make up 30 yards in a 400-meter race. And he starts running. Uh, Eric Liddell was known as an ugly runner. I mean, he didn't look good when he ran. He, he had terrible form. He would throw his head back. And he had his, his fingers kind of wide as he ran, like he's, like he's kind of grasping at the air in front of him. But he just ran harder than anyone else basically ever has in the history of people. (laughs) And one by one, he starts to pick off these people in front of him. And with three yards to go before the finish line, coming back from 30 yards behind on a one-lap track of other competitive racers, he catches up and he wins the race and then collapses in complete exhaustion and is carried off triumphant and given his prize. 
That is the kind of effort. Throw back your head, start swinging your arms, and run as hard as you can in pursuit of life in Jesus. That's what Paul means when he says hope. And so as as we close tonight, I want to challenge you to think about where you are right now in your walk with Christ. Where are you? Do you feel like you've tripped and fallen? Do you feel like you're not even really trying to run and maybe you're just going to walk this one and hope it goes well? Do you feel like you've been on the ground for a long time? Do you feel like you're running and you're really good at this thing and everyone should look and be impressed by that? Like, where are you right now? For all, a lot of us, a lot of times we're discouraged. For a lot of us, a lot of times we're just tired. For a lot of us, a lot of times we just don't believe that we really have any chance of finishing this thing. So why even bother when there's fun to be had over here? No matter where you are, God's call to you is to strain after him with every bit of strength you can muster, with every fiber and nerve and muscle and bit of will that you possess to strive after life in Christ. Does that describe what your walk with God is like? Now, we're not there yet. We're not at the prize yet. But are we fighting or have we become complacent? Are we content with saying, yes, I see the course and I see the finish line and probably someday I'll get back on and finish that race, but for now I'm going to kind of do my other thing over here. Are we throwing back our head and running with all our strength or are we looking to the finish line and saying, I just don't know if I can do it. I've fallen so many times before. I think I'm just going to pass. Where are you tonight in your faith? Because in spite of the distractions, in spite of the the discouragement, the challenge to you is to get up and run. To get up and fight. To get up and strain. To make your pursuit of Jesus the thing that you put more effort to than any other thing in your whole life. Uh, And if you know Jesus, if you have been on this track before, you probably know you'll fall again. You'll stumble again. You'll trip again. You'll hit the ground again. It'll actually keep happening to your whole life. The question is not, will you fall? The question is, what will you do when you fall? And will you recognize that you are fighting to make something your own because Christ has already made you his own? That even as we struggle in the midst of our fall, he is with us. His love for us never fails and his grace covers us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we long for joy. We know we are heading towards it. I pray that you would give us the courage to fight, to run hard after you, to reject complacency, to reject inadequacy, and to say, I walk in the grace and spirit of the Lord. And Lord, as we fight and we scrap and we strain and we press on and we hold fast to this hope that is in front of us, I pray that you would give us an experience of the joy of the fullness of our life with you here and now. We depend on you for it, Jesus. Thank you that we have such a great hope. Amen.